Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal. All right, my chickens. Hello. I am excited today to talk about working hard, which has like gotten a bad rap recently for reasons that I don't totally understand. <laughs> so Allie Boer and I are here to talk about this. And I'm going to let Allie introduce herself and also tell us who you are, what you do, where people can find your granola butter, you know, all the, all things. the things. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. This is probably my favorite topic. I'm excited to dive into it. And thank you everyone for listening. So I'm Allie. I'm CEO and founder, which sounds so weird to say because everyone knows who runs their own business. Like CEO just feels, I feel a disconnect because I do everything and it just feels like too uppity. Okay, we got to talk about all the gender socialization that just went into yeah, that yeah. because <laughs> you are the CEO of a brand that is sold in Target yeah. and you are like, you're not really a CEO. I know, I know. Right. Now we got to have a second episode There's on so that. much we can get into. But yes, so I have a food brand. We are sold in Target. Came out of my eating disorder recovery and our mission is to bring you know fun and play to eating. Just make it less rigid, less stressful. And yeah, we've been around for about five years. I founded it with my fiance, Eric. And here we are. So I love talking about all things real shit when it comes to entrepreneurship because it is not all roses and butterflies, which you know. (laughs) Wait, tell people what the brand is called. You didn't say the name. It's called Oat House and our product is called Granola Butter. There we go. Okay. Yes. So I'm like, my brain is still now on the the CEO downplaying, but I'm going to try to reorient. Okay. So how did we originally meet? I think I went on your podcast like three years, a while ago. Yeah. You used to have a podcast called Queencast, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Do you okay. still have a podcast? No, I miss it so much. It was a bandwidth thing and it was the first thing to go. I know that you understand that, but I one day I'll bring it back. And I loved our episode. You were just a wealth of info as everyone listening knows. <laughs> so that's how we met. And then we've kept in touch on Instagram, as one does in the modern day. And we like occasionally kind of exchange slightly snipey <laughs> DMs about... <laughs> about this sort of like, I run my business working three hours a week from the beaches of Bermuda kind of vibe. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about like, what does entrepreneurship really look like? What does it really take to create something out of thin air, invent something and bring it into the world? And like, what I think are really important differences between sort of, you know, hustling in a way that's really detrimental to you versus like, fucking working hard on something that you are trying to bring to fruition. So tell me a little bit about kind of your take on like the real side of entrepreneurship. Like that's something you post about kind of like, hey, I'm showing you guys the real side of what this is like. Like, why did you start doing that? And what did that kind of come out of for you? Yes. I'm so excited to talk about this because on one hand, I try not to glamorize being a workaholic and obviously burning the candle at both ends and just, you know, doing too much and not prioritizing yourself because I have been there and I know a lot of people have been there and it's just not sustainable, even though sometimes it's unavoidable. But I don't ever want to do that, you know, hustle girl boss, like that sort of toxic culture. But at the same time, it's just, I want to be realistic because had I known what I know now going into launching my business, I wouldn't have done it. If I knew how hard it was, if I knew just how, yeah, absolutely, you know, draining at times and just fucking tough. 
I probably wouldn't have done it because logically it doesn't make sense (laughs) to do. And I had a nice cushy little tech job. But I think, you know, entrepreneurship isn't always super practical and logical. Sometimes, you know, you lead with your heart rather than your brain. Or in my case, I just felt like the pain of not doing it was too great, right? I would have regretted it for a long time. So I think I just, I really, especially when it comes to, you know, being a female founder and also in the food space, I think food is, it sounds so fun, right? It's like, oh, you make granola for a living. Like how delightful. And it's really, really tough. So I think I want to show people the real real instead of just the highlight reel, which is my motivation. I'm interested by that comment that if you'd known you wouldn't have done it, but you're still doing it now that you know. I know. It's funny because I just went on a walk this morning with another female entrepreneur and she is in the food space, but more brick and mortar. And we were both saying the same thing. We're at this place where in the beginning, everything is exciting. Every growth is this, you know, milestone. Getting into new retailers is just like the best thing ever. And you're a little bit very actually naive. And so you just don't know what you don't know. And so it's sort of just like figuring it out as you go. And then I think both of us now, we're about five and a half years in, it's feeling like, okay, it almost feels just like work, right? It's like now, you know, sort of that excitement has worn off. Maybe I'm a little jaded and I have to find new ways to keep re-inspiring myself. And what we talked about this morning, what I noticed is I think I lost a lot of the joy along the process because I became so disconnected from the things in the beginning that really, you know, inspired me, motivated me, which was connecting with customers, you know, in the DMs, seeing people post about granola butter. And I've delegated all of that out. And so I'm like, now I'm essentially doing what I was doing at my nine to five, what I didn't like. And everything that I wanted to become an entrepreneur for, I've delegated out. So I've started to take a little bit of that back and I create a lot of the content for Oat House, which I love. And that's a creative outlet for me, which on paper at our size, people would say you need to be outsourcing this, but it brings me so much joy. So I think, you know, again, yeah, had I known what I know now, it's been so treacherous at times, <laughs> but it's also been so rewarding. And, you know, I don't have kids, but I'm sure it's probably similar. A lot of parents are just like, it's the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's the best thing I've ever done. Right. Well, entrepreneurship doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, that's why you have to have like a high risk tolerance to do it, right? Because there is no guarantee. But I think that point about like, I think a lot of people experience, and I've gone through this, I've seen my colleagues in the coaching space go through this of like, especially as an entrepreneur, you start a business because you're like, I don't want to work in a corporate environment. (laughs) Like, I don't want to be in that structure. And then like five years later, if you do well, you're like, now I'm a CEO running a corporation. So I feel like that like sort of identifying why did you start this? I mean, I guess the nice thing about coaching is that I mean, maybe some people stop altogether, but like I still coach. So I like still have that connection to like, oh yeah, this is why, right, I do this. But I also think it's when you're trying to build something big, like when you are, especially, you know, this is maybe not true if you are just building a business that's like, I don't know, like I have a relative who started a business and he just decided like, I want to start a business. And so then he went like, had a bunch of conversations to see what field was missing something that he could build, you know? So like, that's not a mission-driven situation. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's just a different experience. I think when you are mission-driven, like I think about the place I am now in my business and I'm like, is this my favorite time in my business? Maybe not, but it's like parent, right? Is it your favorite time when your children are in the terrible twos? Maybe not, but it's not like, well, I shouldn't have become a parent. It's like, well, this is part of the process to get to where I'm trying to go. 
And I'm willing to be in that for some of the time. Mm-hmm. Another thing too is I find that when things are going really well, I feel restless and I feel bored and I crave that chaos. And then, you know, I crave that excitement that I never had when I was in my nine to five. Every day was so predictable and it was so boring to me. And I was done by, you know, 11 a.m. with all my work for the day and trying to fill the time. Like I never want to go back to that. So it's, I think it's just funny, you know, the way that our brains work because I'm sure say one day we, you know, exit or get acquired or whatever the end goal is, I'm sure at that point, I'm going to feel so nostalgic for the old days when, you know, we were struggling. And it's just like, so I'm really trying to find like the magic in the mundane and in the little things. But again, it's, you know, it's a constant reminder that I have to practice because that tunnel vision of like, okay, I'll be happy when we get into Target. And then we got into Target and it was actually shockingly it was anticlimactic. Like, you know, it took so long to get into Target that once we did, I was like, why isn't this feeling like I thought it would? I mean, that's something that I talk about on the podcast all the time, right? Is that the journey has to be worthwhile and enjoyable isn't always the right word because not every moment is fun, but like the journey has to feel meaningful and worth doing because the destination, right, is always, is never going to, it's never better there than here. So it's not going to like, I have two things happening this week where I turned in my book manuscript, my final manuscript. And by the time this comes out, it will have happened, happening tonight. Like my partner and I had already decided to get married and then we're like doing our official engagement today. So it should be from the outside. You think like this must be a week where you're just like high on life, but no, because also I do a lot of thought work and manage my mind. I just know that like, it's always, things are most exciting. I think three quarters of the way there, which is like a thing that entrepreneurs don't pause to appreciate and like enjoy enough. I think exactly what you're saying, like when you look back, it's always, people are always like, when I lived in that walk up and I just ate ramen and I had the idea and I was so excited, like that's what people romanticize. And I think the point at which like the book was most exciting, like a week and a half ago when like the revision was almost done. And for the first time it was like, oh my God, this is like a real book, right? Like that was the point. And the same thing, the first time I made a million dollars in a year in my business the really exciting part wasn't when it hit a million. It was when it hit like 850. And I was like, oh my God, I think I'm going to hit a million. Like, it's like before the roller coaster goes down again, right? But if we're like stressing ourselves out too much on the journey, we don't get to experience that part. And then we get to the end and then it's anticlimactic, right? Yes. And that's true. Like, that's how dopamine works. People think of it as the reward chemical, but actually, dopamine is the motivation to go for the reward chemical. It actually like flatlines once you've gotten the thing. So it's not the getting of the thing. It's the like right before you get the thing where you know you're going to get the thing that feels so good. Totally. No, that's so true. And actually one of our, she's one of our investors. She founded Smart Suites. I don't know if you've heard of them. but they're like, Oh yeah, I've seen that in the drugstore all the yeah, time. Yeah. So they had a crazy trajectory. She basically, I think they exited about for 400 million in like four years. And she was young, single female founder. She'd be great on your podcast, by the way. But she was also telling me about how goals normalize. And she was like, it's so crazy because had someone told me when we hit 100 million in sales that it would feel small or normal to me, she'd be like, that I would think you were insane. And, you know, we're not anywhere near that revenue number now, but like it is so true the normalization and, you know, just how you get used to things that back in the day you would just have never dreamed of. So I think that context and that perspective is also helpful to be like, you know, Target, for example. It's like, I would have, pinched myself, jumped up and down for joy and 
the fact that now I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, we're in Target. <laughs> like, it kind of is just, yeah, I have to remind myself, yeah, where you come from, I guess. But also, what do you make that mean? Like, I just think of that as it's sort of like you can either be like really downcast that that's the case, or just be like, right, this is how the brain works. And part of being an entrepreneur is being that person who's like, okay, I want to do the next thing, right? For you, like the way you talked about, like wanting the chaos. Some people just describe that also as like just like needing that excitement to get moving, like needing that kind of intense dopamine of interest or novelty. Like that is just a normal part of the process, right? So if you stop telling yourself, oh, I'll just feel good when, then it's not such a big deal. Like you get that milestone, you're like, that was awesome. Now I'm going to get really excited about like trying to get myself on Good Morning America with my book. And I already know that the moment that will be exciting will be like when we get the yes, not when I actually go and do it, right? Like I already know and I can prepare. So let's talk about like that sort of working hard, that piece that we kind of initially bonded around on this because there's so many like buzzwords, especially in like Instagram, like, you know, hustle culture or grinding, or then there's like soft life. There's like all of these, everything is weirdly commodified into like a package term of some kind. But like, what do you think is going on when I see people that are like, I worked three hours last month and made $12 million. I'm just like, I don't believe you, I don't think. Unless you sold. Maybe you exited already and you're like, this is just the interest off of my, like, I I signed that contract three years ago and that payment came in today or something. What do you think is going on with that? Are people just lying? Is it like a distortion? Like, what is that? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, on social media, and you know this, the dramatic outlandish claims, unfortunately, is what the algorithm prioritizes. So if I wanted to have a million followers, I would post crazy off the wall shit that was controversial, you know, stirred up buzz, stirred up discussion and people shit posting in the comments. That's not the brand that I'm looking to build personally. Some people are. And I just think there's also all of a sudden, and you see this, I'm sure in the coaching industry where everyone is suddenly an expert on social media and they don't really need, you know, certifications as long as they're good at marketing themselves, as long as they present well and, you know, they're self-confident. I just feel like on social media, that is what does well. And so I think having claims like that, I don't think there's a secret hack to success. I think a lot of it is luck and, you know, privilege from where everyone starts at different starting points. But I mean, it's so much hard work. And I just think, you know, I could come on here and on my social media and say, we are nationwide in Target, kind of the opposite of, I guess, how I started talking on this podcast of where, you know, I was downplaying myself and I need to be better about just like owning that I am a CEO, but I could go the opposite way and be like, yeah, I just, you know, had this idea and now we're on shelves nationwide at Target and we're raking in millions of dollars. And like, I just think it's a perspective thing and what you're choosing to show people on social media, but that's the opposite of what I'm trying to do because it's not the full picture. It's not the full scope. So maybe those people are trust fund babies. Maybe they are making this much millions of dollars, but they're also in more debt, you know, in millions of dollars of debt. Like we don't ever know the full picture. And then I think we're seeing like this soft life trend because especially with Gen Z, you know, I think of course you're going to swing naturally back the other way when you see millennials and the generation above you know, burning out and this hustle culture. And so they're saying, wow, like, I don't want to go that direction. That doesn't look healthy. And they've grown up on social media ingrained in them. So, you know, I think they're just a lot more attuned to what people are doing. 
but yeah, that's my perspective. I don't think there's any like secret hack or unlock that we're missing. I think people are just choosing not to disclose the full picture of what's going on. Right, right. Like what's the revolving line of credit? <laughs> but I think there's some conflation that happens because I think about this a lot because you think about like, okay, the regrets of the dying on their deathbeds are as one always thinks about, you know, but I've talked about this in the podcast. They're pretty standard. It's like, I wish I hadn't worked so much. I wish I spent more time with my family, blah, blah, blah. But I'm always like, what did those people do for a living? Because when I think about for sure, if I was a corporate lawyer who was like working this hard to help Shell Oil not pay their taxes, I think that at the end of my life, obviously I would have regret before that. I would never do that. And that's no offense to anybody listening if that's what you do. Everybody's got their own path to follow. But for me, that wouldn't be in alignment with like what I want to do and how I want to live my life. And I can totally see regretting that. But it's hard for me to imagine like regretting the time that I put into the business that I have, which is all about like spreading this mission that I care about so much and that I think is helping people all over the world. Like, so I think part of what gets like too lumped in altogether is that I think the like opposition to like hustle and grind culture when we're talking about things that are really just for the paycheck or that are for a big multinational corporation that doesn't give a shit about you and will fire you as soon as it can replace you with AI and whatever else. Like, yeah, in that context, yes, quiet quitting and soft life and not hustling and not grinding. Like, that makes sense to me. But then I think people come into like entrepreneurship or coaching or something where like you are trying to build something from the ground up. You are trying to create something that's never existed out of your own brain. And especially if you're trying, like, my goal is I want every woman to have heard of this concept that I teach, like, Mm -hmm. then I'll be done. That's not the same thing, right? And it gets sort of like carried over. And then people have this expectation that it shouldn't feel hard, they shouldn't have to work hard. It's supposed to be possible to like, build something that changes the world in three hours a week. I just don't think that's realistic. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you. And I think that's why with entrepreneurship and doing something that you're so passionate about, and I'm not you know, saying that every entrepreneur has to be like in love with every single day because you and I both know it's just not true. Some days are just not those days. Yeah. And, but it really is true. It's like, I think if you find something that it's such a strong mission for you and you know, it's important for other people, like what you're doing, I think it almost feels like, at least for me, it's bigger than me. It's beyond me, right? It's like, I am this you know, just for a metaphor, like I'm this little servant that's like carrying out this mission and I'm just like a pawn in, you know, this bigger scheme. And I never felt that obviously when I worked my nine to five, I was like, oh, I'm a badass bitch and I work really hard and I'm efficient, but I'm carrying out someone else's dream and that's just not what I want to do. And so going back to what I mentioned earlier of like, you know, had I known what I know now, I wouldn't do it again. That's true. And I've never felt more fulfilled in my entire life. It's almost like the person you were then would not have chosen this, but the person you were then wasn't ready for this. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's like, yes, I have hard days and yes, shit hits the fan oftentimes, but I think I am still so driven to keep going and keep working hard, you know, because I see this greater vision and this greater purpose and how it's affecting and impacting other people. But I think what I've learned along the way too is there are some elements of like soft life and, you know, that the feminine energy or whatever people talk about, like the self-care motifs that do come into play with those things. I think they are valid because I find myself, I can get too rigid and too kind of like workaholic energy and that is not effective either. So it's like, 
finding, you know, the balance again, I hate that word, but like wherever you fit on that spectrum. I think about, you know, the day that potentially we exit or get acquired and I'm no longer needed and I'm, you know, sitting on a beach in Thailand doing nothing. I think that would be maybe, you know, the worst day of my life, like not feeling like I have a purpose. (laughs) And it's so weird because it's like, okay, well, so then what am I, am I working for that, that I don't even want, you know, this end goal. So I've talked to a lot of founders who have exited and they said that they've never felt more depressed or more lost, which is interesting because it's sort of like, yeah, again, it goes back to like working for Well, if you tell yourself that like, I mean, that's the problem, right? If you tell yourself like, when I exit, I'll feel amazing. When I get all that money, I'll feel amazing. Then of course you don't. That's not what happens because your thoughts cause your feelings. So it makes sense to me that people would be like all of a sudden depressed. I mean, I've definitely have coached and known people who got very depressed after they got married or very depressed after they ran the marathon, whatever the big thing they've been trying to do, they finally do it and they expect to feel now blissful forever. And instead it's like humans feel terrible when we don't have like a purpose or a thing we're trying to do. I think that's like what's helped us evolve. That totally makes sense to me. It's interesting also something like for me, I've never even thought about an exit. Like I didn't build this business. I didn't even know I was building a business when I started and I didn't build right for an exit. And it would be a weird and hard thing to, I mean, it's like me as the brand, like I can change it to be a little more distant, but it'd be like Oprah exiting, you know, it's Oprah, you're not gonna, she can't exit. But also, it's like, but that also changes like how I think about like, what's the goal? Like, to me, it's more like, well, I'm gonna be doing this probably until I die. So like, what does that look like? And I think also that on some level, that takes off a little bit of the pressure, maybe like, I don't feel sort of like, oh, I'm trying to get to this kind of valuation in this amount of time so we can have this kind of exit because it's just sort of like, well, this is, it's like having tenure. I'm just like, well, this is what I'm doing now. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Very different energy. I think it's industry specific too, because I'm sure it's probably way less common in like the coaching space. Yeah. Again, I don't even know who they would exit to like a bigger coaching group, I guess, you know, and that's something when we started our business, a lot of people asked us, are you creating a lifestyle business? You know, something that you're going to just continue on, pass on to potentially your kids. Or is it like a flash in the pan, you know, rapid rocket ship growth? And we found ourselves because we bootstrapped for the first few years. So now we're sort of in between, which is a weird place to be because I think the energy would be so different if I knew, again, you know, not putting this exit or acquisition on a pedestal as like, this is success. This is the end goal. But yet the whole industry telling you and glamorizing that that is. That's interesting too, that like what the industry glamorizes, right? Like I think. In the coaching world, it is this sort of like, you can work three days a week. And I do know people who do it. I believe them and whatever. That has just not been how my model has played out. But it also depends on what choices you're willing to make in terms of like, what are you willing to outsource or what are you willing to automate in your business or what kind of, you know, are you going to choose to write a book? Like this, I probably could have worked less this year if I hadn't decided I was also going to write a book and that I wasn't going to pause the business. But I think just to go back to one of these threads, like part of what's coming out is to me, I don't define overworking as being like a number of hours, right? It's the energy and mental state behind it. Like a painter who's like, has an amazing idea for painting and stays in their studio for 12 hours a day for a week, because like that painting just wants to come out. We wouldn't be like, oh my God, what a terrible grinding workaholic, right? We just like see that as like genius and vision. But then when we think about entrepreneurs, I think, again, it's like we're conflating all kinds of work as if they're the same. Totally. So, okay, I love this because I've learned in the last probably, it's been very recent, and I've learned through lots of trial and error and lots of burnout that it's actually, 
I'm not working too hard when I burn out. It's that I'm not playing enough. You know, I'm not having enough fun. And so I find like last summer, Eric and Ari and I went to Tomorrowland, which is this like massive music festival in Belgium. And it was the first time all three of us had been away from the business. And we were like, you know, logically, this doesn't make sense. Like we flew into Belgium for like four days. It was like literally for the festival. And going into it, we were so like, oh, this is such a dumb idea. Why do we do this? We came back feeling so recharged, like, yes, a little hungover, sleep deprived, of course, but just so lit up. And it was like, you know, I think of different buckets, think of my life in different buckets. And the times when I've been so depressed are not, you know, the times where I'm like slacking off on my business. It's when I've been so 100% focused on the business and I haven't seen friends, I haven't done anything fun for myself. And so, yeah, again, I think it's like, you can hustle and work really hard, but it can come from a place of, you know, feeling really lit up and fulfilled. Yeah. I also think there's, I haven't thought this through, but just came up when we were talking. It feels like there's also this gendered element to this. Like, I don't feel like men have the same kind of like, they're like, they're supposed to be self-policing themselves to make sure they're not workaholics and are doing enough self-care all the time. Like, and I'm not here to, I mean, I don't think, obviously people can work too hard and burn themselves out and have negative health effects and like not denying any of that. But I just, it's like, feels like that's like another thing women are supposed to somehow be like a, that there's something sort of wrong about women working hard, which we don't really talk about that with men. I don't feel like, like men who work hard are like leaders and like really dedicated and like women who work hard are like absent mothers, neglecting their children and workaholics and burnt out. You know, like there's something weird going on there. It's like women just, you know, you can never win. So it's like, well, now we can work. Okay, great. Oh, no, now you're working too hard. First, we didn't think you'd work hard enough. You couldn't hack it. Now you're working too hard. You're supposed to get more manicures and pedicures. Like you're supposed to, it's just like another thing for women to be like kind of self-policing themselves around and trying to balance perfectly when nobody says to men like, but I mean, you're letting your roots show. You're letting yourself go because you're working too hard because you're like this workaholic spinster. It's just a weird- Yeah, I've noticed that too. And I've noticed, you know, being the female in their our triad, there's myself and then two male co-founders. And, you know, the next few weeks are really challenging on the operation side for us just for a variety of reasons. And so from time to time, I will come in and help either ship or like do, you know, some sort of manual labor in the facility. And I was talking to Eric last night and he kind of made a comment that reminded me of this where he was like, you know, come in like as much as you want, but I don't want you to feel like, and and it came from a nice place, right? But he's trying to be considerate, but he's like, I know that you're a little more like sensitive when it comes to like the manual labor piece, which it is, I mean, it's really hard work, just like physically, it's very taxing. And I am someone, I think that I do need a little bit more like alone time and just recharge time where I think Eric is more kind of like go, go, go. But it reminds me because I think, yeah, him and Ari tend to, I'm like, just ask me, be direct. Like if you need me to come in, ask me, I'm happy to help out. And sometimes I feel like they tiptoe around. I don't know if it's like a gender thing, but it just, it got me thinking of that because I'm like, if I was a guy, you wouldn't tiptoe around and be like, you know, is it okay mm-hmm. if you come in and help? But sometimes right. I do feel they just be like, bro, we need extra packing. Get down. Right. right. I'm like, I don't need to be coddled. Like just ask. So yeah, I do notice that. Yeah. And then I think there's nothing. I mean, I coached somebody the other day who had like, felt like so guilty because she like preferred working to, you know, taking care of her toddler. It's like that socialization, no man in the history of the world has been like going to his therapy or his coach to be like, I feel guilty because I prefer my interesting work that I chose on purpose 
to parenting my toddler, right? But like, I just don't see a lot of male Instagram accounts that are dedicated to work-life balance. Yes, right? like, yes. It's, it's yeah. like a thing. There's something gendered in like how we think about work and work and gender. It's sort of like women, it's like, well, okay, you can work outside the home, but then you have all these other things you also are supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. I think women are just so like, we're just like constantly trying to achieve the correct quote unquote balance of like 12 million different things that we never feel we're doing right. And then there's like a whole economy built up. Yeah. I mean, it's even like I froze my eggs earlier this year because I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to be able, you know, it's like, I'm so focused on the business and everyone was sort of just like, oh, but you can, you know, you can do it all. Like you can have a family. Like I got a lot of kind of mixed DMs where people were like, oh, good for you. That's empowering. And then other people were like, well, you know, I had a baby and I also ran my business. And I don't know, I don't know exactly like what the thought is here, but it just, it felt like something there too around like, you know, you're always sacrificing something it feels like in a way. And then I don't know if you've noticed this about like with wedding planning, but you know, it's like, I'm planning everything, you know, and Eric is sort of like, oh, sorry, I haven't been so helpful. Like I'm focused on, you know, the business stuff. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> but I'm like managing to also, you know, and then learning about because I'm getting bombarded. I don't know if you do on TikTok and Instagram, all the things that, you know, you have to do before the wedding of like the facials and all these things. It's like the woman and then the man just kind of shows up at the altar and right. He's like, I got a course. Yeah, right. So I don't know. There's just there's a lot of themes here. And I know what you mean, where it's like it's half baked in my brain. And I don't have anything like super valuable, but it, I feel it kind of yeah, there's this a difference there. Yeah. I the Instagram algorithm doesn't know I'm engaged yet, so I'm sure that'll be fascinating to watch it like change. I can't wait to hear um, your yeah. Can't wait to hear your take on the wedding industry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not do I mean, I'm not wearing a white dress, I'm not walking down the aisle, I'm not doing any of that. But you have convinced me to hire a like whatever that person's called, like a social media wedding person. That seems like a useful thing. Yes, yeah, I mean I'm gonna have to do a whole episode on the podcast about my like mixed feelings about getting married as a feminist. There's a lot of nonsense. Part of what's nice about it is being somebody who never really thought about getting married and is older, I don't feel that much pressure around yeah, it. Yeah. Also, I'm like, I already live with you and help raise your children. Yeah. So this is like, my partner's been calling it the least surprising engagement in history. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay. I feel like we've hit the major points. Was there anything else? I think my takeaway, what I really want people to understand is like, yeah, it is really hard sometimes to build something new in the world. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. And I don't think like, if you are feeling burnt out, yes, obviously deal with that and address that. And please look at your thoughts because it's not the hours you're working. It's the way you're thinking when you're talking about something like what we do. But also that there's no like shame in that. Like, I feel like sometimes when I coach them, I'm like, I think you just like working. What if that's okay, right? It's like the second guessing that gets instilled where I'm coaching them where they're like, well, I feel like I should want to whatever, like spend more time with my family or have more hobbies. And I'm like, I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of hobbies. I feel okay about that. Like some people do. Some people want to like go to a job. They don't care about punch in, punch out. And they have amazing hop. They like are in a rugby league and growing flowers and I don't know, baking bread. They're like doing all sorts of things they love. And that's great. And I'm like, I'm building this business. That's what I'm doing. Yes. I think it comes down to the should. It's like, do you feel like you should have hobbies or do you actually feel like you need hobbies? Because I've been there where I'm like, oh, I don't have any hobbies. And it feels like I really do need something to counterbalance, like just working. 
But then there's other times where I'm really loving it and I'm like, oh, I feel like I should go see friends, but I don't want to. Like, I'm fine, you know? So. Yeah. So I think like that takeaway is check in with yourself and how you're feeling. But if you want to create something big in the world, be willing to work hard at it. Like, don't go into it thinking that A, it's possible to do it without that. I just really don't think that it is. Or B, that you're supposed to be able to. There's something wrong with you because so-and-so on Instagram says they're working three hours a day and they have a seven-figure coaching business or they got acquired or whatever because like you are not seeing the behind the scenes. Yes. I think the last thing I'll say too is it really comes down to the why. So why do you want to be an entrepreneur? Is it because you see on social media, these people look wealthy and it seems glamorous and you want to have CEO as your title? Like I don't even feel comfortable saying I'm a CEO. That's obviously not (laughs) my why, right? And so that has actually kept me going. But if my why was that I was able to be like, oh yeah, I'm a founder, you know, it would burn out and it would fizzle out so quickly. So I think that's also important. Yes. I love it. All right, y'all go work hard at something you care about. That's actually what will make you feel satisfied at the end of the day. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is the podcast community for all things Unfuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying the concepts to your own life. It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will blow your mind even more. And it's where you can hang out and connect over all things thought work with other podcast chickens just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change your life. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. That's unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. I can't wait to see you there.